Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. Well, folks, uh, it's it's been a while. Uh, I know uh, new episodes in the podcast feed have been a little erratic and and definitely slow. Uh, I just wanted to talk to all of you and make sure you knew all the things that were going up with going on and going up with suiting up varsity uh, when when episodes aren't showing up in the feed. Um, one thing you can always do is follow us at our website, suitingupvarsity.org. And you can see all kinds of things uh, going on there. Number one, uh, you know, I've really shifted my attention uh, to my book uh, and did a lot of writing this summer uh, at this point, which is uh, early September 2022. Uh, I've written 71 individual school histories this summer, uh, concentrating uh, mainly on schools and programs that are closed now, um, really uh I started it just to get the idea, okay, can this be done? And, and I really feel like it can. Uh, we're sharing just a couple of those on the Twitter feed, at Varsity, and you can see uh, some of the school histories there. And then we're sharing them all on our Patreon account. Uh, Patreon is a place where you can support Up Varsity uh, and help keep our project going. Uh, this is obviously a multi-year labor of love, uh, but every little bit helps. Uh, we've also been doing uh, school field trips. Uh, we've been keeping the Twitter feed at Suit Up Varsity going uh, with lots of great old pictures and stories uh, from Nebraska high school sports. But I wanted to get back into the podcasting uh, business today, and, and this episode uh, sprang from a picture I saw. <clears throat> so here we go. Let's hear the story uh, of Tiny Henry uh, High School in 1938 taking on the big boys. On a morning last summer, I woke up to this picture uh, from Lincoln Baseball in 1938 in the Twitter feed, and it, it was a beautiful photograph of a baseball squad displaying a trophy in front of their sponsoring business, Duto Chevrolet, uh, at that time at 18th and O in Lincoln. I went looking for the original photo and found it in the History of Nebraska archives. The question with the picture was, what was the relationship between this team and the Lincoln Blues, who won the state American Legion titles in 1935, 1938, and 1940, and battled Omaha McDivitts for American Legion supremacy throughout the 30s? Uh, McDivitts, made up primarily of Creighton prep players and coached by the le legendary Skip Palrang, uh, were state champs in 37 and 39, and became... So far, Nebraska's only Nebraska national American Legion champions in 1939. A quick journey to the Lincoln Papers of 1938 identified Lincoln Duteau Chevy as a team in the Lincoln American Legion Junior American League in 38. Junior American League? Um, what was the American League, though? Well, I soon found... Uh, that there were both American and National Leagues with six teams each in Lincoln that summer. Uh, now, I never find it stated explicitly, but there are a lot of clues that the Lincoln Legion 
thought of these leagues kind of like Major League Baseball leagues at the time, i.e. the American is the junior circuit and the National League was the senior. Now, was the American for younger kids? Maybe. The Dutau kids in the uniform in the picture I saw uh, look young, uh, but age groups in American Legion baseball are always tricky. Eventually, American Legion Baseball would call its high school varsity division the juniors and its JV division the midgets. The second term would finally be found unacceptable in the 2000s, and now the varsity is seniors and the JV juniors. See why tracing American Legion Baseball history is tough? It's actually tougher than that because of all the baseball that was going on in, 19, in the 1930s in Nebraska towns. Town teams, semi-pro, minor leagues, softball leagues. In fact, the junior's name comes from the fact that American Legion Post sponsored men's teams, which were, were, of course, at that time called seniors. But back to Lincoln in 1938 and the boys of the Dutau Chevy team. Following the standings in the papers through the summer, I find uh, that their American League title was a comeback effort. They spent much of the year in second or third place. I also do not see any American and national crossover games, which lends to credence to that age group theory. The photo that started all of this appeared in the Lincoln Papers in September with the boys' names. Uh, during my Dutau digging, I started to get an idea of the overall Legion organization in Lincoln in 1938. Remember, those Lincoln Blues uh, are dominant in the state. Uh, I ran across an article saying that an all-star team of National League players would be put together to begin to form the Lincoln Blues team that would then compete in district and regional and state tournaments. So the Lincoln Blues didn't like play a American Legion schedule around the state. Instead, uh, they were an uh, all-star team put together uh, of uh, National League town team players who then went and played in districts and, of course, advancing on. Uh, when the Lincoln player papers reviewed the, the Blues roster, it was pretty obvious that this was basically, a, or maybe totally, a Lincoln high team and coached by the Link head coach, Frank Mueller. The Blues spent the season preparing to basically play Omaha McDivitts, uh, who were the defending state champions that year. Throughout the year, there would be announcements of how the state playoffs would be conducted. Eventually, 26 districts were formed around the state. 24 of those champions would move on to sub-state play, while two would go straight to one of the two regional state tourneys, which would eventually be awarded to West Point and Minden. Uh, not sure which two districts got the free rides, but Lincoln wasn't one of them. The Lincoln district was only two teams, the Blues and the Lincoln Reds, who were formed after the Blues, I assume from the same pool of National League players. The Blues dispatched the Reds, as you would expect, in the first game of the district series so easily, 22-1, to uh, in fact, that either the second clinching game was never played <laughs> or the newspapers hid their coverage so well that I have not been able to find it. Uh, Lincoln then hosted a regional and had to defeat York in the title game to get a berth in the East sub-state tourney in West Point. The other teams in the East would be Omaha McDivitts, the big rival, uh, Falls City, still at the height of their athletic powers in 1938, and the hosts from West Point. The West sub-state tourney would feature Minden, the hosts, Howells, going all the way out there, Broken Bow, 
and Tiny Henry, which is actually between Scott's Bluff and the Wyoming state line, if you can believe there's room for a town in there. Both regionals, really what we would call state tournaments, uh, would be single elimination affairs. I assume that uh, Henry won the North Platte substate, even though they were not even mentioned in the pre-tournament story. Uh, both first-round matchups out west were close. The hosts from Minden made a late rally, scoring seven runs in the final three innings, including three in the top of the ninth, uh, only to see Howells come back with three straight singles for a walk-off win. Henry, population 167 in 1938, was taken to the brink by Broken Bow. Henry scored six in the first but had to hold on for a 13-10 win. In the east, the West Pointers dispatched Falls City 22-4, but the game the whole state had its eyes on was the McDivitts versus the Blues, the winners of two of the last three state titles. Omaha led 7-4 into the eighth, but errors finally caught up with McDivitts. They had 10 total in the game, and the Blues prevailed 8-7. The Blues were led by Floyd Wilkinson on the mound and Lincoln High athletic legend Howard DeBose at the plate. Dean Jackson and Bill Jennings, no, not the future NU football coach, he grew up in Oklahoma, also got a lot of press, and their picture in the Lincoln Papers. Uh, the final at West Point may have been a little anticlimactic after beating McDivitts, uh, but West Point takes baseball pretty seriously, and the game drew over 2,000 fans. The Blues threw Wilkinson for the second straight day and survived, 8-4. to four. Out West, Henry also threw their ace again, coach's son, Arthur Russell. Henry School Superintendent H.G. Russell managed the team, which was officially from the Mitchell American Legion post because Henry did not have a post. Uh, they were listed as the Mitchell Broncos, a nod to Henry High's school nickname. Mitchell was and is the Tigers. Young Russell handled Howells, taking a 7-4 win. Officials from the State Legion, Lincoln, and Henry met in Fremont on Tuesday of the next week and flipped a coin to see which team would host the three-game state title series. The coin went Lincoln's way. I cannot help but be a little suspicious, you know, like Patrick Ewing to the Knicks suspicious of that coin flip. The games were set for Lincoln's Landis Field on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday if necessary. Landis Field was at 2nd and P Street and was named for pro-commissioner uh, Kennessee Mountain Landis and had been built by Buck Beltzer, the base baseball promoter after whom NU's field would eventually be named in the 1950s. He was an Arapaho native. Uh, the 625 miles from Little Henry, which is actually closer to Torrington, Wyoming, than it is to Scott's Bluff, are estimated estimated to take about six and a half hours of driving today. I imagine the trip took nearly twice as long in 1938. I also assume they traveled by train, but have not seen confirmation of that. Henry High was in its final years in 1938. It would close in the spring of 1944, as so many really small schools did uh, in that World War II era. Uh, Henry has come to my attention before in the form of some really cool basketball team pictures, also from the History Nebraska collection. In those pictures, you can see the strong Japanese-American presence in Henry. NET 
Nebraska Public Media, has a great uh, short documentary on the Issei, Jack Japanese immigrants, and the Nisei, first-generation Japanese Americans, in the Platte River Valley of that era. In 1938, the Lincoln Papers featured a story of uh, Henry's five-foot-two-inch second baseman, Art Apples Mayahara, uh, during the series, calling him Japanese, but I assume he was Nisei. The Lincoln Papers mentions of uh, Mayahare, uh, Henry's cleanup hitter and best fielder, were both very complimentary and extremely racist. Of course, 1938 was the beginning of fraught times for Americans of Japanese descent. The history in Nebraska is not as harsh as on the West Coast, it seems. There is an account, originally in the Scottsbluff Star-Herald, of a Mitchell banker who refused the federal government's orders to close out the accounts of Japanese Americans and call in their loans. And another story from Omaha Magazine is about Boys Town's Father Flanagan inviting the families to live on the West Dodge Farm during the war if they needed a safe place. Saturday, the series between Giant Lincoln High and Tiny Henry started at a breakneck pace. The Blues put eight on the board in the first inning. And then Henry responded with three. By the end of three, it was Lincoln 12, Henry 6. The Blues would not score again until the eighth inning. But before that, in the sixth, the Blues brought on a relief pitcher, and Henry struck uh, for two runs, cutting the lead 12 to 8. Lincoln scratched out a run in the eighth to stretch that lead to five, but the Broncos scored five in the bottom of the inning, including two on a perfect squeeze play that drew out the 10th Blues error of the game. Suddenly, it was 13-13, and the last two runs had been scored on Lincoln ace Wilkinson, who had re-entered the game. The Blues' big hitters came through in the ninth, though, with hits from DeBose, Wilkinson, and Jennings to plate four runs. Wilkinson struck out two and picked off a base runner uh, for the final out in the crazy 17-13 win. Henry's younger Russell had struck out 16, but ran out of gas late. Blues manager uh, Mueller uh, announced he would start one of his few non-Lincoln High links in Game 2, Jackson's, Jackson High's Bob Gary. Uh, note, note to myself, I'm pretty sure this is the fellow who owned the ice cream shop I grew up next to in Hastings. And I did some research, and yes, it is. Uh, I loved that ice cream shop right next door. Nothing better than to be an elementary kid and have an ice cream shop selling 15-cent scoops uh, right next to your house when you come home every day. Uh, Henry Coach Russell also decided to go with a different man on the mound the next day, Kyle Abernathy. That would be a fateful decision for a couple reasons. First, they'd lead to a win on the diamond. Abernathy struck out 16 as Little Henry played errorless ball and beat the big city boys 11-6. But it would also be fateful because Abernathy, despite living in Henry, went to high school 10 miles away in Torrington, Wyoming. And that made him ineligible to play for Henry according to Legion rules of the time. He had not played in Game 1, but the Henry Game 2 win was now in the hands of the National American Legion office. 
It did not take them long. Before Game 3 was anywhere near its first pitch, the Blues had been declared Nebraska State champions because 1938 rules said a player must live and go to school in the community he plays for. That meant Lincoln could have players from the huge Lincoln High and from Jackson High and Bethany and College View and Cathedral, but Henry could only have Henry High Broncos. To their credit, the Lincoln Blues insisted that Game 3 be played. The Blues controlled the game with the arms of Wilkinson and catcher Chick Wheeler. Wilkinson took his sixth postseason win, and Wheeler snuffed out two Bronco rallies by throwing out men attempting to steal. It was the Blues' first title since 1935. They had fallen in the title games of 1936 to the Omaha Alamitos from Central High and in 1937 to Omaha McDivitts from Creighton Prep. For the Henry Broncos, the first week of August 1938 may have been their greatest athletic accomplishment. The school was too small for football and never produced a state basketball tournament team or even an individual state track medalist. It closed just six years later in 1944. I hope somewhere there is a picture of Coach Russell's Henry Broncos of 1938. I know I'll certainly be on the lookout for it. Well, that's it. Until next time on Suiting Up Varsity. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, where our handle is, at SuitUpVarsity. And again, check out our website, where we've added a new section of memorabilia, including state tournament programs. Uh, we try to scan in all the programs we have, and we have quite a nice collection there, so you can look at a lot of old programs. We also have uh, lists of school songs, uh, gym opening dates, uh, stadiums and gyms that are named for Nebraska Prep legends, and a lot more. That's all at suitinguparsity.org. And if you'd like to support our project and get access to a lot of special extras like the histories of each school as we write them, uh, pictures, stories, information, you're really getting a, a look at the first draft of the book as I write it, uh, then take a look at our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash suitinguparsity. There's also a link at suitingupvarsity.org. We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like the podcast, take time to rate us on iTunes or wherever you find your uh, podcasts or share an episode on social media. I know you guys are uh, our big uh, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, Snap, Snapchat influencers. So, you know, put, put, a, put an episode out there and, and help other Nebraska sports fans find our podcast. This has been Suiting Up Varsity, episode, episode 45, written and produced by me, Greg Mays. Technical and research assistance by Tate Mays. Helpful audio advice and encouragement from Chris Shukai. And as always, dedicated to Jerry Mathers, the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast. Suiting Up Varsity is the anchor show of the Nebraska Varsity Network. Copyright 2020.